up tonight. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Psalm 144 verse 15 says this, happy are the people who are in such a state. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Father, thank you tonight for the word that we're about to receive. Lord, speak now for your servants. We hear, we intend to obey. We know that what you shall say to us is exactly what we need to hear. So God, tonight, Lord, we thank you that answers and remedy and cures come for everything that ails us, oh God. For everything that's wrong in our lives, God, you'll speak, Lord, the thing that will bring us life and happiness, God, and joy and peace. So speak, Lord, we thank you that it is so. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen, amen. and amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. All right. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So we've been talking about this picture of happiness, and that's what we're talking about tonight, the picture of happiness, part three. And so we're talking about how God uh, wants his people happy. Right? Y'all understand that by now? Yes. We've been said that now a few, many times, I think, that God wants his people very happy. Uh, he, he needs us happy. Would you agree with that? Uh, there's a scripture in Psalm 35 and uh, verse 27. Y'all know it. Psalm 35, verse 27, where it says that the Lord takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. You understand that? The Lord takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. So the Lord is pleased when his servants prosper. You understand? So I'm talking about the fact that God, he wants us happy. So you, don't, you and I don't have to try to convince God, beg him to do something in our lives, make us happy. He wants us happy. You understand that? And I, no, I, I'm going to say this, and I, I know y'all can handle it. But, you know, a lot of Christians just don't think that. They just don't know that God wants them happy. They, they are under this erroneous um, mindset that all God's thinking about is, well, I just want to get you saved and take you on to heaven. But, ladies and gentlemen, if that was true, the day you got saved, he would have taken you on to heaven. If that was his only thing he wanted. But he left us here, and he didn't leave us here to suffer. He didn't leave us here to struggle. He didn't leave us here to, you know, well, just try to see if you can make it, you know, see if you can get here if you can. No, that's not what he left us here for. He left us here to be a shining light for him. So, so part of our happiness is for, to make him happy, to make us happy, but also for us to be a shining light for him. You know, the Bible says we are his epistles. You know what an epistle is? Epistle is a letter. So in other words, you and I, our lives... Are, are, are the first Bible that many people will, will ever read. You understand that? Many people, they, they, don't, they don't know how to open the Bible. And if, if they're not born again, even if they open it, they would understand it. Right? Because these things are spiritually discerned, the Bible says. And so if they're not born again, they're not going to discern what the Lord is saying in the word of God. But they can watch your life. They can see your life and see where God has blessed you and God has prospered you. And you can testify about, well, I used to be in the world and my life was this way, but I got born again. Now my life is this way. Right? So again, he, he takes pleasure in our prosperity. That same verse, can you get that in the, uh, the uh, CEV, please? The Psalm 37, 35, 27, rather, in the CEV. Look at what it's, matter of fact, can you read it with me? Okay, let's do that. Ready? Read. Let all who want me to win be happy and joyful. That means you ought to be happy along with me. How many of y'all want me to win? Yes. 
good, good. I'm glad. I want you to win too. Tell your neighbor, I want you to win. Tell them, I'm in your corner. I'm on your side. Glory to God. Well, not only am I on your side, God's on your side. And the Bible says, if God be for you, who can be against you? Right? So it says, let all who want me to win be happy and joyful. From now on, let them say, the Lord is wonderful. God, watch this, is glad when all goes well for his servant. Wow. So God is glad when everything goes right in your life. God doesn't like when things are wrong in your life. Matter of fact, if you think, think back to the book of Exodus, and right around Exodus chapter 3, when God uh, showed up in the, in the burning bush, remember that? Y'all remember the burning bush? They don't remember it on that side. Don't listen. Okay, the burning, the burning bush is where when uh, Moses was wandering on the backside of the mountain, he had, he had killed somebody back in Egypt, and uh, he had fled. And so he's now right about 80 years old, and God's going to come down, and he, he meets him there. God shows up. He appears, or a spirit appears in a burning bush. And the Bible says that uh, Moses looked over and saw this bush that was burning, but, but it was not consumed. And he said, I got to go and see what's happening over there. And so when he went over and saw what happened, the Lord told him, hey, take your shoes off. The place, the ground you're standing on is holy ground. And God began to speak something to him. And he said, listen, he said, I have seen the affliction of my people. I've heard their cry and I know their sorrow and I've come down to deliver them. He's talking about his people back in Egypt, the Israelites who have been there 400 plus years now in slavery conditions, in a state of slavery. And God said, I'm not happy about it. I'm not happy about it. He said, I've seen them. He said, and he said, I've heard their cry. So they, they obviously hadn't cried for 400 years, but, I, but some, somebody rose up and said, listen, this ain't right. You understand that? So this is not right. And so they cried out to God. And so God came down. He said, listen, Moses, I'm going to send you back there because I'm, I'm going to get my people out of that bondage because I don't like them. I don't like them being oppressed by anybody. God is glad when all goes well for his servant. How many of you are God's servants? All right, so God is glad when everything goes well for you. You understand that? So if he's glad when everything goes well, he's not, he's not trying to keep things from going well. He's not holding anything back from you. The Bible says in Psalm 84 verse 11, no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. You got it? All right, now, uh, Again, we're, we're advertising God's kingdom, okay? Because here's the reality, that nobody wants to serve a God who can't keep his people happy. You understand that? So if we don't, if we don't walk around happy, if, we, if we're not happy, we can't win people to the Lord. If we're not enjoying life, how can we win people to the Lord? You ought to get saved. You're looking pitiful. You need to come to church with me. I'm not going to church with you. Yeah, you always crying, always pouting, always pining. I'm not interested in your God. I, at, least, at least I'm, you know, in their mind, in the world, at least I'm happy. I get to go to happy hour. I have a real happy birthday. Right? I go on a vacation, at least I can have some happy pictures. 
So the world needs to see us happy and enjoying life. Jesus Christ said in John 10, 10, he said, I can't let you might have it and enjoy life. Have it to the full, till it overflows. Right? So he wants us to enjoy our lives. In Psalm 144, again, verse 15, that was our scripture that we began tonight, which it says, happy are the people who are in such a state. If you read verse 11 through 14, it talks about the state of, of, of a people. Okay? And we're, we're going to get there eventually. Okay? <laughs> because we're, this is the picture of happiness here. But it says, happy are the people who are in such a state. Then it says, happy are the people whose God is the Lord. So, if God is the Lord, or if the Lord is our God, we are supposed to be happy. Come on now. I'm telling you this now. Religious people don't get this. They don't get it. Glory to God. And the world just, they, they won't see it about us. But we should be the happiest people on this planet. Am I right? Okay. Now, <laughs> I, was, I was reading an article of the day, and uh, I had to add this tonight. Uh, it was, the article was published on July 18th of this year. And in this article, uh, it was, I saw it a couple days ago. And in this article, they, they identified the happiest and the most miserable states in America. They ranked all 50 states in, in the U.S. in terms of happiness. And they gave five factors that they say determines or contribute to happiness. All right, now let me give you these five factors. They said, number one, the percentage of residents who like what they do every day. Everybody close your eyes. Close your eyes. How many of y'all like or really enjoy what you do every day? Okay. Okay, good. Good. That's, that's a decent number of y'all, but not everybody. Now, according to this, if you don't like what you do every day, you're not going to be very happy. Now, I'm not saying I agree with this. I'm just telling you what they're, these human factors that they put together to determine what, what makes a person happy. Number two, number of residents with a strong social relationship. That means you either have, you either dating someone, married to someone, or you're, you have a great friendship circle. <laughs> now, I'm just, let's go by what they're saying. They're saying your social life contributes to your happiness. Okay. Number three, they said the percentage of residents in near perfect physical health. Near perfect. This is what it, that's what it is. In other words, they're saying your, your physical health, your physical well-being is instrumental or plays a factor in how happy you are. Okay? Everybody with me on this here? Number four, the poverty rate. 
Now, these are not necessarily in that order. I'm just giving you the order that they gave. They're not saying which one is more important or not. They're saying the poverty rate. So in other words, your financial position, your financial condition plays a role in how happy you are. Now, I know y'all sanctify Holy Ghost filled, fire baptized people are going to say, no, 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 no. No, I don't need money to be happy. You are lying. I'm just going to tell you, you're lying through your teeth. You're trying to convince yourself that money doesn't make you happy. I didn't say money can buy happiness, but you can't tell me that you are happier, uh, uh, <laughs> broke. Because one thing about money, it can't buy happiness, but it can sure, sure enough uh, rent it for, for a couple of hours. Other words, you get you, something, you get bad news. Now, we, I'm not saying we need this because you and I have the Holy Ghost. We don't have to do this. But, you know, in the world, they don't have the Holy Ghost. So when they get bad news, they got to go buy some Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Right? Or they got to go shop to make themselves feel better. Am I right about it? When you don't have money, so liking what you do every day, number one. Number two, strong social relationships. Relationships. Number three, uh, your your physical health. Number four, your financial condition. Number five, uh, the violent crime rate in the city, uh, or your your protection? Do you feel safe? Your environment. Now, again, this is all from the world, but I want you to understand that you and I, in the body of Christ, based on the word of God, we have great and precious promises that cover all five of these areas of our lives. So you and I don't have a hit and miss. You and I don't have to be at the bottom of the total pole. You and I don't have a need to ever walk around and be unhappy. I mean, because uh, we're supposed to like what we do every day because we're supposed to be about our father's business. Am I right about it? If you, if you don't like what you're doing, you need to find out, God, what am I supposed to be doing? Because he's never going to, gonna, you know, people say, God, put a burden on me to do something. If God puts a burden on you, it's a light burden. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. In other words, in other words the burden, will, you will enjoy it. In other words, some people say, God put a burden on me for lost souls. You're going to enjoy winning those souls. He put a burden on me to go on the missions field. You're going to enjoy it. Whatever God calls you to do, you're going to really enjoy it. So if you're not enjoying what you're doing right now, you need to go back to the drawing board, to back on your knees in your prayer closet somewhere and find out, God, what am I supposed to be doing? I'm not talking about your job. Because jobs aren't designed to make you happy. Jobs aren't designed to give you seed. I said jobs are designed to give you seed. That's the only thing a job is for. It's not to give you fulfillment. It's not to bring you satisfaction. 
it is to give you seed. And if you, if you were to just stick with me a few more days, you're supposed to give you enough seed that you can seed your way out of the job. If you work your system right, you can seed your way out of a job. Where you'll get into where, where Isaiah 61 talks about, you should be called the priest or the minister of the Lord, and strangers are going to stand and feed your flock, which means you'll have your own companies and somebody else will, be have, will have to work it for you while you're out there doing God's business every day. I wonder how many can y'all believe that? Come on. Come on, how many of y'all really believe what I'm telling you tonight? See, because you're... You, you, you <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. Well, I'm just keep on going. So, like what you do every day, strong social relationship. Well, we're supposed to be fellowshipping, right? This is, this is why God gives, gives us uh, Christian family. You can be married, you can whatever and so on and so forth, have your family. God puts a solitary in families. And then we have the church family we're supposed to be fellowshipping with all the time. Like precious faith, right? Near perfect physical health. Well, we have a divine promise of, of uh, health, divine health. Divine life. Beloved, I wish above all is may prosper and be in health even as your souls prosper. Glory to God. I will restore you to health. I, I will give you an abundance of health and peace. I, I mean, he's going health is health is non-issue. Poverty rate. Finances? Finances. I mean, Jesus already made us these promises for us. I mean, we okay. Violent crime rate, no evil shall befall us, neither shall any plague come near our dwelling. Right? He gives his angels charge over us to keep us all of our ways. They bear us up in their hands lest we dash our feet against stones. Who cares about, the, well, we, don't, we care about the violence. In other words, we don't want people getting hurt. But it's not going to come near us. A thousand may fall on our side and ten thousand on our right hand, but it shall not come near us. So if we have these great and precious promises, then we ought to be at the highest level of this happiness. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you tonight? If we're not, we got to find out where we're missing the mark. Did you hear what I just said? If we're not, we got to find out where we're missing the mark. Because it's not God. It's us. As rough as that may be to hear. And you know, I know popular church, they won't say that. Popular church going to make you think everything is God is the devil and, and haters. The haters hating on you. It ain't the haters, it's you. <laughs> Priest pastor, I'm trying, I'm trying. It ain't the haters, it's you. Nobody can stop your happiness. Joshua 1.5, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. So nobody can stop you from being happy but you. God's doing his level best to make you happy. The devil's doing his level best to make you sad. Glory to God. But greater is he than he that's in the world. Satan's not more powerful than God. What you need to do is lean over on the lower side. Amen. Amen. So uh, just, 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 in, just so for your reference, you may want to know. They had the happiest state in America as South Dakota, number one. So anybody, if you think about moving, South Dakota is a, everybody's happy in South Dakota. 
uh, the most unhappy place uh, they had is uh, West Virginia. Yeah, well, I don't, you know, whatever. You know, but the thing about it is, in West Virginia, if they just would know God. <laughs> Glory to God. Florida happened to be number 12. Amen. So we got to spread this happiness. We got to start spreading this joy around. Get our people happy all over this region. Amen. In case you were wondering, Kentucky is number 45. So we got to keep bringing some joy to Kentucky. No, no, dad, dad and mom there, they're Frank, you know, Frank, they're there. They're going to they're keep spreading that joy around, man. So we got to pray that God gets them all over television, all over Kentucky. Amen. So people can be happy. Now, what happens is I just told you about these places and what happens, people, people uh, move from place to place because they think they're going to find their happiness in a place. Right? So I got to move to Atlanta. Or I got to move to Orlando. Or I got to move to Miami. Or I got to move to Dallas. because I'm going to be happier there. But you know, the saying I've given y'all years ago, wherever you go, there you are. So it doesn't matter if you change locations, it's still you. Glory to God. Glory to God. So you can move to South Dakota and then they'll rank in a drop. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> so, <laughs> praise the Lord. Pastor Kim read that scripture tonight in Psalm uh, 1611. In uh, his presence there is fullness of joy. So it doesn't matter whether it's South Dakota or West Virginia or Florida or Wyoming, wherever you are. If you can be in his presence, no matter where you are, there's fullness of joy there. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3.17 that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So if you need, all you need to do is be wherever his spirit is. And his spirit will be wherever you are. If you get filled with the spirit of God and be led by the spirit of God, he's going to lead you into happiness. Remember that your happiness is not your idea. Your happiness is his idea. So he's going to lead you into happiness. So your, your mindset ought to be wherever he leads me, I will follow. Whatever he says unto me, I will do it. Because it's going to bring me happy, uh, happiness. God is not trying to take anything from me or, or make me sad. He's trying to get something to me. Amen? All right, now, let's go back to the scripture we were in on Sunday. In fact, last Wednesday we were there too. In Luke 12. Luke 12. Okay? There's some good stuff here. Anything Jesus says is good. Really, anything in the Bible is good. <laughs> Amen. Luke 12 and uh, verse uh, 15 is where we were reading. Where Jesus says these words, he, and it said, and he said to them, take heed and beware of what? Say it again. Covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. So your life is not measured by what you have. So people try to uh, rate themselves or they try to find their happiness based on uh, possessing external things. And things are not designed to make you happy. You have to learn how to be happy 
uh, in the Lord and never focus on things, but keep your focus on the Lord. So he says here, beware of, take heed rather, and beware of covetousness. Glory to God. Now, remember that word covetousness? I gave you that in the Greek. And it's the, that word pleonexia. Pleonexia. Sound like a disease, doesn't it? Says it, that word pleonexia, that, that's the word covetousness. It means greedy desire to have more. Another word for it is avarice, which simply means extreme greed for wealth or material gain. Pleonexia. Now, when you hear that, and you say, that sounds like a disease. It is. It is. In fact, I looked it up. There's a, uh, what we would call an etymological study. It's a big word. You, you can use it. You can use that. An uh, etymological study on the word pleonexia. And if you've heard, uh, like, anorexia, okay, that, I thought, well, that, when I hear that exia, that's a suffix. Okay, let me see what that means. Well, when you see exia, Exia refers to any condition or pathology. And those of y'all understand the medical terms, it's a condition or pathology. It's, it's, it's how something's operating in your system. Okay? Then pleon, P-L-E-O-N, which is the, the, the main part of that, refers to more or excess. So it's, it's actually a... A real condition <laughs> it of, of excess, of wanting more than is needed. It's a pathology. It'd be if, if you went to the doctor and you were diagnosed with, with, a, with a disease. Jesus says, beware of that disease. This, is, this, is this clicking in the mind? So this word... Covetousness, pleonexia, isn't just some, you're not talking about just envy or, you know, jealousy. This is not envy or jealousy. It is, it is something gets in your blood. Right? Anybody, you remember when you were a child, you, you could get a, uh, back in the day before we understood, you can get a ringworm. Right? And they used to give you some little, put a little cream on there on the ringworm because you want to make sure you caught it before it got into your bloodstream. Because if it got into your bloodstream, it was, it was spread and show up all over your body. One little spot in your head would move, would spread and show up, manifest in your whole body. Because it, it, it became pathological. You ever heard the phrase pathological liar? Yes. Uncontrolled. They do it all the time. So this pathology. This pathology, this exia, this pleon exia, is a, you're a pathological uh, greedy person. A, you, you're, you're, you're all the time, all you can think about is, is what other people have. You become obsessed. This isn't just, you know, we're talking about, you know, I take you that car, I like that car, that's nice, and you know, you admire it. No, no, this is, this is beyond that. Jesus said, beware of this stuff getting into your bloodstream. Oh, y'all not saying anything to me. Beware of this stuff getting down in your system. Glory to God. Remember we talk about David and Bathsheba? I mean, David saw her. David could have just said, mm, and just kept on going. Remember, we, he saw that girl. He saw that girl up on that. He could have just said, I mean, and be honest, every one of y'all, you see somebody, they look attractive, you go, okay. 
You just keep on going. Keep it, keep it stepping. Keep it moving. Right? Some of y'all don't even say anything. Right? No, I'm saved. I don't even notice good-looking people. Stop lying. I'm saved now. Don't tell me you don't notice an attractive man or attractive woman. What, did you go blind when you got saved? No. But it's a difference in, in it being just an image to it becoming an imagination. See, imagination is different. Imagination is now I've taken that image, one image, and made my own little movie. That's when Jesus, when Jesus said, says, talked about, about a man committing adultery in his heart. He's not talking about because he said, oh, she's nice looking. That's not what he means. He's talking about you have now seen that you, you have now played out of your own movie. Come on now. Uh, y'all are so uneasy right now. Y'all are like, what are you about to say? Particularly y'all sitting next to your husband and wife. Y'all just, what is it? I ain't going to say anything. Just, just look straight ahead. That's all. Just look straight ahead. Are you hearing me? He's talking about not letting this thing, covetousness, this desire, this uh avarice get into your bloodstream because if it gets into your bloodstream it'll affect your whole body you become obsessed you become driven with now getting something and that's what David did David didn't just he looked and he didn't look away he looked and then he started asking uh oh now it's in his bloodstream because you can't tell me all the time all, of, all his men are saying David now you know that, that's one of your boy's wife now David that's Uriah's wife, David. David's, I mean, this, Uriah's one of your captains, David. David being a, a, a military man himself, he's probably fought along with Uriah. Uriah's not a stranger to him. But he, this thing got in his blood, man. Pathology. So Jesus says, beware... Take heed, beware, beware, beware of pleonexia. The, patho the pathological greed for excess. <laughs> now, I told you, you know, when we were kids, you know, we, we were, we were kind of brought up in that, you know, in, in uh, liking other people's stuff. We used to play that game, you know, I ticket that car. I, you know, they, later on, they, I key locked that car, I key locked that house and everything. And, then, you know, uh, we went beyond that, though, because what happens is, remember, the devil's trying to help us with this. The devil's trying to help, help get this stuff into our blood. Am I right about it? So remember, years ago, there, a, a TV show came out. Some of y'all, wait till you remember this. A TV show came out called Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous with your host, Robin Leach. Robin Leach. Every Sunday it was, whatever. Go with me. Champagne wishes. Caviar dreams. 
We're going to go and see the house of this and the only He used to be looking at people's houses and looking at their cars and, oh, man. Some of y'all young people remember something called Yo! MTV Cribs. Y'all remember that now? Okay, yeah. Oh, I know about that. That was my show, dog. Yo! MTV Cribs. They just show all everybody, all the rap stars or even all the pop stars show their houses and their cars and used to go, man, look at what they got. Yeah, man, I got this bling dog. And they showing all this stuff. And What was all designed to do? Make us say, wow, that's wonderful? No. It was designed to make us want it. And you beat me to it. And what the, because it gets in your blood. Now I'm going to do whatever it takes. If it means it costs me my integrity, I'm going to do whatever it takes. If it means it costs me my honesty, I'm going to do whatever it takes. If it means it costs me my dignity, I'm going to do whatever it takes because I, I watched. And I didn't just watch and say, wow, that's interesting. I watched and let it get into my blood. <laughs> Is this clicking for you now? So Jesus wasn't just talking about something trivial. He said, beware of this. In other words, he said, watch out for this disease. It's kind of like, you know, uh, when, when the, the, what's the swine flu, whatever that's going around. Now you go in the airports everywhere or in bathrooms, I should say, everywhere. And they have all these signs about how you got to wash your hands and, you know, prevent the, you know, the uh, uh, spread, of, spread of these diseases. Prevent it. You know, because you got to take care because these diseases are going around. And Jesus is saying, you better take heed and beware of this covetousness. Because it's going around. It's pathological. You better disinfect your soul. Because <laughs> if not, you're going to catch it. And it will overtake you. Are y'all here with me tonight? Now, again, I just want to remind you, there's nothing wrong with things. Tell your neighbor, there's nothing wrong with things. Things are God's idea for us. You understand that? Whatever things you desire, when you pray, believe, you receive them and you will have them. God richly gives us all things to enjoy. If he gave us his son, how should he not with him freely give us all things? Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, all things are yours. All things are yours. All these things shall be added to you. So nothing wrong with the things. The thing, the problem, the problem happens when, when, the, when the drive or desire for the things contaminates your blood. And your spiritual kidney is not working. Your spiritual kidneys... You know, your kidneys filter out and clean the impurities out of your blood. And if your spiritual kidneys are not working, your soul, man, gets contaminated. <laughs> so you coming in here for some dialysis tonight. The Lord is hooking you up to this machine to clean out this junk out of your blood. Am I, is that how this works now? Some filtration going on. Glory to God. Because if, if not, if not, man, 
You're going to be sick. You're going to die. Pleonexia leads to death. Pleonexia leads to death. How do I know? Give me a Proverbs chapter 1 verse 19. Proverbs 1 19. Pleonexia leads to death. So are the ways of everyone who is greedy for gain. What does it do? It takes away the life of its owners. So pleonexia is a soul disease that leads to death. Death? Death. It said it takes away your life. You get so consumed with it, you can't sleep at night. <laughs> you watching all infomercials at nighttime, trying to figure out how to make a dollar out of 15 cents. I've got to go to this, this seminar, but i got to try to make it, man. I'm trying to make it, make it. I got to hustle, got to hustle, got to hustle, got to hustle, got to, got to, got to make, this, make this thing work. It, it is. Love and money is the root of all evil. And the Bible says those who, who go after it, many of them have, have, have gone astray. Now, y'all, you all know that I'm not against money. If anybody in this city or this region, as far as I know, who's going to push and teach you about money, it's going to be me. But I'm telling you that it's not going to come through your covetousness and letting the devil uh, uh, get all in your bloodstream and get you better shape till now you can't spend time with your family. You can't come to church. You can't spend time with God because you become totally obsessed with trying to get some gain. A man who goes out to greedy, uh, greedy for gain, the Bible says he troubles his own house. You'll trouble your own house. Now your physical house. Yeah. yeah, you can't rest. You can't. Your, your blood pressure be all high. Oh, y'all hear me tonight? So we need to know how to do this, right? Psalm 16, verse 11. Give me that in the easy to read version. Psalm 16, verse 11 in the easy to read version. Watch what it says here. It says, matter of fact, you can read it with me. Ready? Read. You will teach me the right way to live. So there's a right way to live. He says, you'll teach me the right way to live. Keep going. Just being with you will bring being at your right side will make me happy forever. Glory to God. So there's a right way to live. And that right way to live is not us chasing things. It's us pursuing and walking with God and God will cause those things to chase us. That's the right way to live. Do y'all agree with that? Do you agree with that tonight? And he says, so just being with you will bring complete happiness. Well, how am I going to eat? Because he's going to always take care of you. Well, I'm going to show you this here. So when I, I, just, I make sure I'm, I'm with him, I'm with him, he covers all the bills. If I make it my aim to please him and be with him, he's going to cover all the bills. All right, how do you know? All right, Jesus showed up in Luke chapter 5, 
And there's these guys out there fishing. They've been fishing all night and they come in, their, their nets are, are, need to be mended, so they're mending the nets and everything. So Jesus says, hey, uh, can I use your boat? I want to preach. I need to get out on, on the water. It's interesting Jesus does that. Uh, praise the Lord. It's a message within a message within a message right there. I just, it just came to me because, because he got on the boat. Why did he get on the boat? Y'all know why? So he could preach. He needed to get out on the water because water amplifies, it carries your voice. And it, it gave him some distance from the people. You got it? A platform. Okay? But, but here's the message that just came within that message. Why did he just walk on the water? Because he, right? Why did he just walk on it? You know why he didn't just, didn't just walk on it? Because he's a, he needs a seed. He's about to increase these guys' lives, and so he, he's going to give the opportunity to get in on a seed time. You just missed that. I'll say it again. Why didn't he just walk on the water? We read at least twice, two other times in the Bible where he just walked on the water. He could have walked on the water and just stood out there and preached. But he's about to change these guys' lives. So he's going to give them a seed opportunity. Because he... This is how he works. Okay? So they get, I'm just, as the Lord said, I just got to say it to you. So, so they get on the, he gets on the boat, goes out there, he preaches. Then he says, all right, guys, uh, thank you for letting me use your boat. I, I receive your seed. Now I'm about to give you a harvest. And so he says, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. A miraculous catch of fish. And Peter, you know, Peter says, Lord, we taught all night and so forth. Nevertheless, at your word, we'll let down the net. They go out there, lets down the net, and they get this miraculous catch of fish that's too much for him to handle. The, their net, his net starts break. He calls his other partners in the boat. He's got so much harvest coming in. The other partners got to come in and help him bring in the, the harvest that, that is coming in of all these fish. So they finally bring the fish to land. And so, so they are stunned. What is this? One seed. <laughs> so much so that the Bible says they left all and followed him. That meant that harvest was enough to leave their, these were married men, to leave their families for three and a half years. Okay, now, so they left their business for three and a half years and followed Jesus. The Bible says one place, uh, he says, Jesus called them to be with him. Now, all right, so let me ask this question. When they walked with him, where, where did Peter work? Where, where did John work when, when he was walking? Where, where, did, where, did, uh, where did Thaddeus work? Where, where, did, where did Bartholomew, where did those guys work? Y'all remember, oh, they, were they cutting hair on the side? Is that, that what they're doing? They were making tent, they were moonlight. What, what were they doing? They were just being with him. And so all their needs were always met. Because they were with him. Their only concern was just being with him. They weren't worried about how they were going to eat or drink or put on clothes. They weren't thinking about anything. Boy, I hope somebody, the light is coming on for you. That they made that their primary concern, and because of that, they were always cared for. Even one time, he sent them out without him. 
He said, don't take a money bag with you. Don't take anything with you. I'm going to make sure you're provided for. They went, they came back, and later on he asked them, hey, when I sent y'all out that time without me, uh, did y'all lack anything? They said, no, sir, we didn't lack anything. Why? Because as long as you're making his agenda your agenda, he's going to always take care of you. He is obligated to do it. I'm telling you, I hope you all catch this. God, oh boy, is, is, <laughs> he is trying to shift somebody tonight. He's going to shift your whole mindset, your perspective of a toil and struggling and trying to figure stuff out to just, no, I'm just going to be with you and whatever you say, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to watch you take care of me every day of my life. I'm just crazy enough to believe that you will take care of me. Well, how that's going to happen, I don't know. My wife and I didn't know this in June 2002. June 2002, my wife was working for, for a major company as a chemical engineer making good money. Good money. And great bonuses. I mean good, good money. It, it will be good, good money today. And I was making really good money. Cash money. As a barber. Good money. And the Lord challenged me. I need you to quit this and give yourself full time to the ministry. Now, I knew the church didn't have the kind of church we had no money. How are we going to make it? At that time, we've got two kids already. How are we going to make it when, if I'm going to leave that, Lord, man, my, okay, well, you know, my wife, you know, praise the Lord. She's still working and praise the Lord. What I didn't know was the same day I left, the Lord made her leave. See, y'all looking at me like, I don't know about it. I'm talking about when you make it your mind, I'm going to follow God and trust him. He obligates himself to take care of you. So here we are, two people both left our good, cushy jobs to go full-time in a ministry that couldn't pay us nothing. Oh, but ain't he all right? Ain't he all right? Did you lack anything? No, sir. <laughs> That's been 16 years ago now. <laughs> 16 years, baby. See, I forgot what I was talking about. But those guys, talking about those guys, they ended up walking with Jesus Christ for three, three and a half years and never lacked anything. And they became so convinced of this way of life, of living, that when Acts 3, after the day of Pentecost, and they were going, Peter and John were going to the temple for prayer, and this man sitting there begging for money, and Peter said, 
Serving gold we don't have. Now, it didn't mean they were broke. They had, they had stuff back there, but they, they, they were used to just not, I ain't got to carry nothing. Christ had already told them, don't carry anything. I mean, they're used to God providing all the time. Why? One seed they had sold. Then they had sown, they had sown their whole lives. I'll show you that in Mark 10, if y'all got a little, little time. They, he, they, they sold their whole lives. And so God just continuously took care of them. Pastor Kim, what was that, that word that you, I was, I was listening in to prayer yesterday. I wasn't here, but I was listening in to prayer. And then the Lord, she began to prophesy in prayer yesterday morning, yesterday at noon. The Lord was saying, my people are stuck, caught up in what? Unnecessary struggles and unnecessary strife. Struggling unnecessarily. Why? Because we're, 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 still, we're still in our heads. I wish tonight that every one of y'all would lose your mind. I wish every one of y'all would lose your mind and take the mind of Christ. And let your life be dictated by that mind of Christ. <laughs> you know, Jesus never freaked out about anything. He never panicked about anything. There was a need. He never panicked about a need. Jesus, we got 5,000 men, those women and children out here, they hungry. Feed them. But well, we don't have anything. All we got is, you know, two pennies. Where's that going much? Well, what you got? Tell me what you got. What you got? Well, we find two fish and five loaves of bread, but what are they so much? You know, what are, what are they, you know, amongst so many? Bring them to me. Mind of Christ. Glory to God. All right, now, let me try to keep going here. Now, again, I'll share with you that covetousness is not just sin. It's a cancerous disease of the human soul that leads to death. Again, pleonexia. Okay? Now, Luke 12 and uh, verse 20 and 21. Okay, remember Jesus, when he tell, says this in Luke verse 15, Luke 12, 15 about beware of covetousness. Then verse 16, he tells a parable about a rich man who, um, you know, had this ground that brought forth and he, he's, he's, he's in covetousness. He's in greed, he's in stinginess, such that rather than having a, a mind, a heart that's rich toward God, he's thinking about himself. He says, you know, I'm tearing down my old barns, I'm going to build some new barns, put all my stuff, and I'm going to sit back, eat, drink, and be merry or be happy. In his mind now, he can just be happy because he's got stuff, right? Verse 20, though, but God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? Tongue in cheek, which you have provided. Because God knows you didn't provide these things. The ground provided. That's my ground that provided this stuff. Okay. Yeah, Lord. Yeah, that's right. God's ground, but it was that man's seed. Y'all just caught that? It was God's ground, but it was that man's seed. 
The problem is when the harvest came in, he wasn't rich toward God. He had the process started. He was in that process with his seed. <laughs> but once he got his harvest, he, 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 he found safety in the harvest. Oh, boy. Holy Ghost, why'd you have to go there? He sold the seed. Just look straight ahead. I ain't talking about you. He sold the seed. But when the harvest came in, he found safety and security in the harvest. Rather than keep, keep the cycle going by turning part of his harvest into more seed, he found security in the harvest. Matter of fact, he opened up more accounts to store up all his harvest because now he's got some security. I'm going to sit back and eat and drink and be merry now. I'm going to eat and drink and be merry. Be careful that when, when you get into sowing, a sowing cycle and your harvest comes in, you don't all of a sudden find, find security in your harvest. Boy, that's better than y'all yeah, letting on. That's, that's big time word right there. Don't, don't all of a sudden start resting in your harvest. Because the harvest is meant for you to take part of that out. Seed and bread. And keep sowing that seed to keep that harvest coming in. It's funny because God said, so now that, now that you're dead, <laughs> who's, who's going to have all your stuff? Who's going to have your harvest now? Fool. A fool stops sowing. A fool stops sowing. I better say it again, Luanda. A fool, only a fool stops sowing. <laughs> a fool, only a fool stops up the process. Because you get the harvest and now all of a sudden you're securing it. Glory to God. Don't, don't be secure in the harvest, be secure in the process. Be secure in the process. Keep the process going. Glory to God. All right, now. Y'all mad at me now, right? Okay, verse 21 then. Verse 21 says you're not mad. So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. You got it? Verse 22. Then he said to his disciples, therefore I say to you. Okay? So remember, some of you might have a break in your Bible, but Jesus didn't take a break in talking. This is still one continuous conversation here. Okay, but he now directs his, his attention, his words to a specific group of people. He says, then, he, then it said to his disciples, therefore I say to you. Now, why is he saying this to you, to them, to disciples? If you look back in Luke you know, chapter 8 and verse 10, he says, because to his disciples, it's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Did you catch what I just said? Did you catch what this just said here? So he's talking to them, the disciples. He's about to reveal, here comes a revelation. Here comes a revelation. Here comes a revelation that's going to come to them. Because they are his disciples. They are his followers. These are guys who've already sown seed. The, oh, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Holy Ghost. Oof, wow. Because the original conversation started in verse 13. 
And it came from a guy who was asking somebody to just give him something. Y'all don't have your Bible open? Okay, verse 13. Then one from the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. He's trying to get Jesus Christ to force somebody to give him something. That's like folk trying to force, force the government to take all of our money. That's socialism. Take all of our money and spread it around. We need more welfare. I better stop, y'all. <laughs> this man is try, trying to force welfare. You know, is that what he's doing, D? Rather than learn a system, he's trying to force his brother to give him something that he was not entitled to. People have an entitlement mindset even in this country and they want to vote people in office and they want to keep people around that's going to make, make sure that you share. People have to share their wealth with us. Share the wealth, share the wealth, share the wealth, share the wealth. That's what he wanted. He wanted, him to share, wanted his man to share the wealth. So Jesus tells him, you better be aware of covetousness. That's what he's talking to. Hey, bro, you was one, one trying to get everybody to share the wealth. You better be aware of covetousness. You don't want everybody to, sh you, you, you mad because the rich are rich and you struggling. You say you want, them to, want me to make them take part of their money and give it to you. We're going to tax them more. We ain't going to tax you at all. Am I in the right house tonight? He said, you better beware of covetousness. So all your cousins keep talking about, we need to make sure we get people to share the wealth. They're covetous. They have a disease that's gotten into their bloodstream that's going to kill them. Because that's not how it operates. So Jesus comes along and says, therefore, in verse 22, I say to you, my followers, my disciples, those who've already sown their lives. Do not worry about your life. <laughs> They've already sown their lives. So I'm going to tell you something. Y'all missing this. The, on, the sowers get the revelation. <laughs> he says, therefore, I say to you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body, what you, what you will put on. Verse 23, life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Now, that word more is the Greek word pleon. Remember pleonexia? <laughs> Remember pleonexia? The word more is the Greek word pleon. So life is pleon than food. Life is more. It's, life is, is, is more exceeds food. There's more to your life than food. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be a foodie. The Bible even talks about those who've, who've, who've uh, made, God, made their bellies their gods. You got to try this restaurant. I ain't got to try nothing. Glory to God. And the body is more than clothing. Can I keep going here? Have y'all ever read this before? Okay. I'm, I kind of want to skip down a little bit. Okay, let me just read it through. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap. He said, check them out. They don't sow or reap. Now, he's talking to sowers. He said, they don't sow or reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn. Well, you don't need a storehouse nor a barn. Remember, he talked about this, this other man who had, who's going to tear down his barns. Why? He's, he's a sower. 
So sowers always have barns. Why? Prepare for the harvest. Okay? But the ravens, they don't sow or reap, so they don't need a barn. And God still feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to a stature? Nobody. If you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Solomon wasn't even dressed like one of these lilies. And if God, if then God, verse 28, so clothes the grass, <laughs> which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? So you and I ought to have the nicest clothes. The finest clothes. Well, I wish I had two more people in my room. You ought to be looking the best. Or you have little faith. So the problem, the problem between what's between you and the best clothes and the best everything is faith. Faith in the process. Because I'm going to show you this here. And do not seek. Now, first he said, don't worry. Now he's saying, don't seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. Everybody say anxious mind. mind. Now, the King James, that word is doubtful mind. Uh, I I didn't copy this word down for you because it was just, I, I, I couldn't even say it. But that word doubtful in the Greek is the word uh, meteor, meteor something. But the base of it is meteor, a meteorite. So in other words, don't have a space mind. Don't, have a, don't be up in the air. When you read the definition of that meteor or whatever that word is, it's, don't, don't be up in the air in your mind. For all these things, the nations of the world seek after, and your father knows that you need these things. You see that? He knows you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. So again, Pastor Kim, like you said, you don't have to covet these things. He says, I know you need these things. So I want you to have them. So if you just seek me, hang out with me, I will add these things to you. He's showing us, ladies and gentlemen, how to, how to make sure we don't, we don't get, uh, uh, he's trying to, here's the word, inoculate us against covetousness. Inoculate, vaccinate, does that a better word? Vaccinate. So you don't, you're protected against it. <laughs> Are y'all ready? He says, but seek after the, seek God and these, all these things will be added. Don't fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, to give you the kingdom. So he went beyond just things. <clears throat> little children, do y'all understand this? Little children, little, little flock is what he's saying. Little children. I know y'all grown. I'm talking about what he, in his, his words, he's saying little children. I want you to behave like little children. I want you to be just as, just as dependent as little children. Just be just as trusting as little children. Don't be worried and stay up at night about how you're going to eat and drink and pay your rent. Little children. My children have never in their lifetime asked me if we had enough money to pay the rent or the mortgage. They have never asked, are we going to be able to pay the light bill this month? They have never asked, are we going to be able to pay the, pay the phone bill? Okay, they've never, never once have they even thought about it. Sometimes I wish they had. 
I just got to tell them, turn them lights off. <laughs> Anybody like that? Turn them lights off, man. Glory to God. Everyone in my house at nighttime, uh, every day we keep the air conditioner on, what, 75, I think. Every day, all day, whether we're there or not, just all 75. We go out of town, it's still on 75. Praise God. John want to come home to a hot house. So 75 for us, 75 makes it comfortable in our house. But at nighttime, you know, I want to like hotel cold. It's got to be hotel cold. Y'all know this? You go to a hotel, you start in the cheese beef. So, so for us, we drop it to about 73, and it gets about hotel cold for us, and that's it's pretty good. You, you can sleep better. <laughs> and, I, you know, that's fine. Now, it took me a while to adjust just that, to that in my mind, because I understand every degree adds money to the bill. I understand that. So it took a while for me to, like, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you to this. You know, praise <laughs> the Lord. <laughs> the Lord had to remind me, I got it. I got it. I got it. He's the God of all comfort. So he wants you comfortable. You, you know you're not comfortable at 82. Stop playing. You're not comfortable at 82. <laughs> Sweating your pajamas out. It's too hot, man. You know that. This is Florida. This is Florida. I can't afford that. That's your problem. I said that's your problem. You're trying to afford it. Telling you, I was talking about this the other day. When we don't let me forget that condition. When we move into the house we're in now, we could not afford it. Come on, I said we could not afford it. Yes. I'm serious. I knew the people wanted, and what they, they weren't talking about no, you know, couple hundred dollars. They weren't. They wanted real money. I, I live in a, in a in a pretty good neighborhood. They wanted real money, way beyond what we could imagine just to put the key in the door that's not lights that's not water that's not that's just put the key in the door and there was nothing in our budget nothing within the scope of our financial ability that said we could afford this house and we could not afford the house but we knew we had a word see this i'm, I'm mess with somebody right now in your faith see because a lot of times you you call yourself in faith but you ain't moving yet See, you're trying to wait to increase to move, and God's trying to wait for you to move for you to increase. Okay, let me say it again. You're trying to wait to increase to move, and God's waiting for you to move so he can increase you. I'll say it again. You're trying to wait to increase before you move, and God needs you to move so he can increase you. Because he didn't increase us until we moved. I mean, we had to, I had to sign the contract in fear and trembling. preacher. I'm your example. I'm telling you the God's honest truth. I'm being transparent. See, if you don't hear this, then, then you, you know, you, you can think about, you know, Leroy, so you can think about David and, 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 and Abraham, all those guys, but you need to see me and you know me. When we met dad and mama uh, Durber, they were already in their big house. But y'all know me. Y'all remember where we used to live, that old shiggity shack thing over there we used to live in? It was cute. We made, it, we made the best of it. 
but it was still what it was. It was still a geo. <laughs> so God, when we took the steps, he increased us. When God, when God came to Joshua, don't let me forget that condition. When God came to Joshua and he said to Joshua, he said, you, you guys, y'all have circled this mountain long enough. You've been, you've been around the same mountain long enough. I'm tired of watching your girl on the same mountain all this time. What you waiting on? If you read that in one translation, God says, I think it's the N-A-B-R-E, whatever that translation is. He said to them, he said, uh, how long before you're going to take some steps toward? I dare you to tell your neighbor, say it's time to take some steps. You keep marching in place. No, I need you to take some steps. I'm waiting on God to move, child. He is waiting on you to move. The Bible says hope that is seen is not hope. So if you're sitting there waiting, you just, you just, you ain't, you are not in, you're not in real Bible hope. You're not in real Bible faith. You're waiting until you see something. That's not how faith works. Faith is the substance of things, hope for the evidence of things not seen. So, so, so God will increase you when you move. So when we said, all right, what I said, I finally got, got the thing. Okay, we're going to put this air conditioning down on, on 75 all the time. Because I was, I was the kind of person, I want it on 78, and when we leave the house, it's going to go on 82. Matter of fact, I was the kind of person, we're out of town, I'm going to shut the whole thing down. <laughs> I remember one time we were out of town, we, we went to Frankfurt. We went to, we went to Frankfurt. One, one time, boy, for, for a meeting up there, we went to a faith rally. <laughs> this is what it was called. It was called faith. We were going to a faith rally in Frankfurt. Thank God for the rally because I didn't have any faith working, boy. <laughs> now, we're, we're in the house, so we've already taken that step. But, you know, I'm try, still trying to figure out how to pay for this whole thing. I, I, I'm forgetting the fact that God is the one that got us in the thing. We come over here. I'm, I'm, I'm not remembering the fact God's the one that got us in there. We're not supposed to be there to this day. So I call myself going to be smart, D. So I, I shut the whole hot water heater off. I shut the breaker off on the hot water heater. Not only did I turn the air off, I shut the hot water heater, the breaker off. You ain't going to be heating the water while we going for a week. Because you know what I think? Am I right? Come on now. Y'all in the house now. You know. That thing constantly heating water. That your bill is still running. You might be in Georgia or you know, New York somewhere, but that thing running. I said, no, uh-uh. I got to figure out how to pay this thing. And boy, I shut it down. And we, were, we, were in, we were in Frankfurt. And Lawson, what are you doing? I remember we get there and dad, dad's preaching a message called Dress and Keep It. <laughs> dress and Keep It. Dress and Keep It talking about, you know, when Adam was put in the garden and God put him there and God said, okay, I want you to dress and keep it. In other words, how you maintain and keep and how, how you got to have the faith to maintain everything that, that you're, you're put into. And this thing is whooping me over. I mean, it's whooping my head. Bam! I'm like, bam! All I see is that hot water heater is all bam! Dad's just preaching, boy, preaching faith. Everybody, woo! I'm like, bam, bam. We got to go back home to cold water. And a hot house. 
cold and a hot house. With my smart self. See, what am I doing? I'm trying to manage all this myself. What did I forget? I, the, yes, that's right. My wife reminded me when we was there, say, yeah, but you forgot to turn the pool pump off. So every day the pool pump running for seven, eight, nine hours. And that's, that's more than a hot water heater. I was like, dog. I'm trying to be smart. I'm, matter of fact, that trap I went through, they, they, they say, you know, don't leave TVs plugged up because TVs keep running. You know, it, it might cost you a penny. You know, I'm like, I'm going to say that penny. I'm unplugging the TVs out of everything. Am I right about it? What? I'm trying in my mind to figure out how to do this. Put, put the lamps on timers, too. I did. You know, because I, I, I want to be secure, first of all. See, I'm acting like lamps going to protect my house and not angels. I'm just being transparent and honest with y'all. So I celebrate what God has brought me to that now I can leave the house and leave it on 75. You know, that's, that's a big deal for me. Some of y'all might always be like that. I always put it on 60, not me. So, so, uh, I got I got to quit. So, 70, 75, and so, uh, at night, we're going to put it on 73. Well, one night, I noticed it is particularly cold in the house. This is like unusual. This is like meat lockerish cold. I found out one of my kids, one of the girls, put the thing down. It's been on 63, 62. I said, what the what? I was hot. Girl, you don't pay no bills around here. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about now? Can you know that's how you shoot? <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> get, get, get I just be honest? I'm, I'm honest with you. So, you know, you, you, now we've got a house and got a big pool and all that kind of stuff. And so, what happens, you know, something called evaporation. And so the pool level goes down. And so the pool guy comes around, and he can't even know, hey, you need to add water to the pool. I know it. <laughs> but I'm praying for rain, Lord. <laughs> Open the floodgates of heaven. <laughs> Let it rain. And no rain coming. So I know I gotta get that. So D, it takes me a few days. Cause I gotta work up my faith. Am I being, am I, am I, am I, am I kidding? I'm out here preaching faith. Prosperity. But on every level, it's a, it's, you gotta develop in this thing here. To trust God. So I finally decided, okay, just put the holes in the water and just let it ride. And it fills up and then the bill come, you realize, okay, thank you, Lord, I can pay it. Because God will bring it in. Because see, see, 
I'm just going, okay, I'm be honest with you. All right, this is my last one and I got to finish. So uh, the house we're in, our lease ended uh, this past March, right? Something like that. And which really unofficial, to, you know, we, we've been there a long time now. We ain't trying to go nowhere. So it ended this past March and uh, I'm going to tell you what I said. I'm talking about this, this past March. This is 2018, pastor, preacher, faith and prosperity. I said, Lord, all right. We did it. Okay, we did it. Because, I mean, if I, tell, if I were to tell you what it costs, some of y'all would choke on your own tongue. So I'm, I, I, can't, I'm, I can't. So I said, all right, Lord, okay. We proved it. We've done it. Now we just going back to something small. This is what I'm telling God. Am I, am I, I'm telling the truth. God, we can go back to something small now, something like, you know, more affordable that I can afford. I can afford out of my check. That's what I'm saying. I can afford out of my check, and, you know, we can manage, and, you know, because, you know, we're debt-free now. You did all that. That was just awesome, God. But, you know, okay, we ain't got to do this no more, Lord. We can go on back. What am I trying to do? What, I'm, I'm saying, what I'm saying, Lord, I, I don't really want to keep working my faith on this every month anymore. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. This is just this is this year. And but the Holy Ghost said no. Because if you go back, then all the increase goes with it. See, I increase you to wherever you go. So if we were to draw back then we stop that flow. Are you hearing what I'm telling you tonight? I don't even know how we got way over here because this isn't, didn't nothing to do with my message. But I'm trying to tell you, somebody needs to know this, that when you move, he'll start moving. Yeah, God's already way ahead of you. I, I'm not mind if I'm going to tell you this right here. I'm going to say this by the Holy Ghost. He's already two houses ahead of you. Y'all missed what I said. I said, he is already, he is already two houses ahead of you. And while you're arguing, what you need to do is cast down those imaginations or cast down those arguments. Pull down those strongholds of, of poverty and lack and I'm going to run out. I remember being in the house. I, I remember, oh my God, walking through my house and the devil screaming at me. I'm going to, you ain't going to be last around here. You ain't going to make it. I, I remember having to scream out of my mouth. I couldn't think it. I didn't scream it. I will not go broke. We're not going to lose this house. Because the weight, the pressure, the oppression is trying to come down on me. To get me out of faith over into a doubtful mind. Crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> Glory to God. I'm trying to tell you here tonight. God wants you very, very happy. He's trying to give us the kingdom. 
I told you, that's what he said back here in, in, in 22. Here comes some revelation knowledge. You just got some revelation knowledge tonight. Somebody just has something revealed to you. Somebody, just, you just got shaken up tonight. God's trying to shake you right up out of your, your mediocrity, shake you right up out of your just, you know, you know, you know what, what a phrase we got to get out of our mind is we can just. We can just, or I can just. That is a, that is, is like, is like a nail gun for mediocrity and average and lower living, complacency. I can just, but we can just. That's doosh, doosh, doosh. average. Doosh, doosh. No, God don't want you to just. He wants you to take the brakes off and go way beyond what you ever dreamed, way beyond what you ever imagined. Glory to God. And he wants to do it for you. Man, 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 man. So fear not, little flock, verse 32. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The kingdom. He way beyond a house, way beyond food, way beyond clothes. He said the kingdom. The kingdom. You're an heir of God and a joiner with Jesus Christ. It's the whole kingdom he wants you to have, ladies and gentlemen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He wants you, he wants you to have perfect physical health. <laughs> he wants you to like what you do every day. He wants you to have a strong social relationship. He wants you to be way above the poverty rate. You're going to be in the rich rate. <laughs> I'm talking about 1%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Head not to tell above, only not beneath. That means you ought to be in the 1%. Well, how am I going to get there? He's, he'll tell us right there. Glory to God. Violent crime rate? No, no, no. Safe dwelling places. Peaceful habitations. Those are scriptures we stood on, Isaiah 32. We stood on those scriptures about that. To go to, for God to get us where we are. <laughs> Glory to God. Boy, we laughed today when we remember, boy, how we used to have to sneak out of our house. Our last house, we used to have to sneak out of it. So people didn't know we were leaving. Definitely didn't know, didn't know we were going out of town. We were telling, was that the day we were, yesterday we were telling somebody about, boy, how, we remember, boy, pe people will steal your stuff. We were talking about that to Laquan about that. People, we came home one day, boy, and, uh, well, we weren't living there yet. We were getting ready to move in. Somebody had stolen all, now, not just, we ain't not talking about just like a little laptop or computer. They stole, stole sofas, love seats, bookshelves, washer and dryer, Dishwasher, refrigerator, and the stove. That was a different time. It was so many times. Clean the house out. And nobody saw. We didn't see nothing. You mean y'all didn't see nothing? You mean it's refrigerators going down the street and y'all didn't see nothing? You all know they was them hauling. They were hauling stuff, man. They want you all or nothing. They just 
Spread everything out. Praise the Lord. We just make it a seed. Lord, just make it a seed. Matter of fact, see, I'm going to finish here because we are, I'm, I'm Cause I, I, I can get, I got a lot to get, get you for Sunday with this right here. Cause we gonna, we gonna tie this over. Cause we gonna keep going. We gonna tie this over to Mark ten. Okay. But see, we were, we were already intent on being sowers. Cause it, now read the scripture. Give me the verse thirty three. Because here's the cure. Here's the remedy for covetousness: sell and give or sow. Remember, he's talking to sowers. So he's saying, you want to you make sure you avoid covetousness? Become a sower. We were sowers. We had made up in our minds to become sowers already. And it's so funny because when we finally got ready to leave that house, and move to where we are now, we sold, we could have sold S-O-L-D all of our appliances because the house we moved into already had all that stuff. But instead of selling it, we sold S-O-W-E-D, everything. As a matter of fact, we sold some stuff into people who took the stuff from us the first time. Some of the folk who stole our stuff the first time, we sold, them new, we sold new stuff into them. <laughs> and every time. Are you hear what I'm saying to you? See, when you make up your mind to become that sower he's talking about here, then you provide yourself with a money bag. You decide, I'm going to bless people. God will never let you go broke. God will never let you go without. God will never let you go missing anything. It's his good pleasure to give you the whole kingdom. And what happens is, I'm, I told you this Sunday, I hope y'all didn't get mad at me. Uh, if, if so, uh, get over it. <laughs> a lot of people in the body of Christ are stuck in covetousness. They don't know. You know, sometimes you can have a disease and not be aware of it. You don't know. So Jesus said, I want you to know, beware of covetousness. I want you to be aware of it. It's you, you showing symptoms. <laughs> And he's trying to diagnose you. Say, hey, that's covetousness. We can, I'm going to show you how to treat that. Well, how are we going to treat it? Become a sower. I'll show you this on Sunday. Will y'all come back Sunday? Yes. Glory to God. Holy Spirit just brought something back to my members too. I, on, when, on Sunday, I said something here, and I got to make a correction. Because remember I was telling y'all how I said, I said, boy, I'm just, I'm, I'm, in the, you know, I'm caught up Sunday. And I said, uh, over the last three weeks, man, we've sown about you know, going on, working on $10,000 into the kingdom. And uh, I told you I hadn't calculated. So I went back. I said, let me, let me, after I heard, I was like, oh, what? So I went back and kind of calculated. It was actually about five. All right, so I didn't, I didn't want to be exaggerating. <laughs> Y'all think pastor around here lying. <laughs> no, but it is, it was really, but still was $5,000. I, mean, I remember the day, boy, we, I couldn't sow, we didn't sow, we, $10. Remember that time we, we went to Tampa, boy, we, we sit in a service in Tampa, and we, we're, just, we're just about to step over into faith here. Just about, I mean, and we went to hear one, a man of God, 
And uh, he, he, he said he gave this offering time, opportunity to sow. And Lord, we're about to sow something precious. Precious, yes, yeah, $10. It was precious. Because it's all we had at that time with three kids. We had three kids by then. 2004. $10 is our only $10. <laughs> So when, if I can stand and say 5,000. See, see, and I don't say it to brag. Why can, you know, where, where would I brag? Why would I brag? He gives seed to the sower. I didn't get the seed myself. He gives the seed to the sower. Well, that's why we'll never be broken another day in our lives. Because what we learn, as a matter of fact, I heard, I heard Dad saying something, uh, alluded to this uh, Tuesday night, and I'm going to just say it again the way, the way I'm, I want to say it, is when the harvest, when our harvest, harvests, plural, as they come in, is we don't take security in our harvest. You understand? You can get money come in, and now all of a sudden, whew, I can breathe now, and I got money, and I'm going to just sit back. Nope. The moment you take security in, in your harvest, you are, you are now about to be infected, reinfected with covetousness. And the way what God will use to kill that, what he'll use to kill that infection is he'll say, I need you to show $1,000. <laughs> Too many times he's done it to us. Too many times. Too many times. Whew. All right. Because he knows when you're starting to get comfortable. Yeah, you, you want to see the box for you, the account, look at the account. Boy, okay, praise God, we never had that in there. Okay, you're getting comfortable in that. So they have to stir you up and get you going to kill that covetousness. Amen. Well, I didn't get as far as I wanted to get, but we'll get there Sunday. Is that all right? Y'all promise to come Sunday? If you can't be here, you're watching online, right? I know we got some guests and everything, you guests. Watch it on YouTube, Facebook, all that good stuff. Uh, but if you can be here, be here, and uh, God will speak to us. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you tonight. Thank you. <laughs> the great physician, who you know how to diagnose every issue and every ill. You know how to diagnose covetousness. And Jesus said for us to be aware of it, to be, be aware of this uh, debilitating disease of covetousness that's the danger of it getting into our bloodstream becoming pathological that it'll kill us your word says he that's greedy for gain Lord that greed will take the life of its owner so father I ask you tonight that Lord you would help us to really have a good evaluation of ourselves and make sure that we're not allowing covetousness to get in there that we we're not selfish, we're not stingy, we're not greedy, that when we see a need, we're looking to meet that need, that we're those who, look, who are looking to do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith, that as your word says, we have opportunity. So we're looking for opportunities, God, to do good, because we don't want covetousness to get in, get in our bloodstream and Take us out. <laughs> Hallelujah. God, we won't find security in money or things. 
Your word says wisdom, money is, the, is a defense and wisdom is a defense. But the advantage of knowledge is that it'll give life to those who have it. So thank you, Lord, that wisdom will give us life. Money can't give us life. Things can't give us life. But Lord, it all comes from you. So Lord, I ask you tonight for these, your precious people who've heard and received the word, those watching online, those who will uh, see this message later on in the future, Lord, that we'll all step clean out of covetousness and that God will step into this path of life that you have for us where it's happiness all the time, all the time, because we won't be looking at things. We'll be looking at what we have in you, Lord. And we know that, God, you will continue to increase us more and more. Thank you for even the testimonies of faith being shared tonight. I pray that, Lord, that what you've done in my life and Kim's life, Father, that the things that you've shown us and we've experienced, God, that it'll be an encouragement to other people, that somebody tonight who's waiting on you to do something, <laughs> that they'll know that, God, you're not the one waiting. Lord, they shouldn't be the one waiting, Lord. You're the one waiting. You're the one ready for them to move for them to act, for them to take steps toward that promised manifestation. So God, I pray that God, you just bless each and every one in this place. Let us walk in the fullness of your love, of your joy, of your glory, of your peace, and the fullness of the joy of the Holy Ghost. We thank you for it. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. Well, give God a great hand of praise tonight if you receive that. Stand to your feet. Glory to God. I hope you all got something out of the word tonight and you were, hope you got kind of jerked around a little bit. <laughs>